This was just land before the ministry was built here, and I went walking down to the creek. It was about three or four in the afternoon, and I sat down there, and I waited and waited and waited until it was starting to get dark. And I said, Lord, I don't know anything. I don't hear anything. And suddenly the Lord spoke. He said, the woman in the red dress is named Success, and she's a harlot. Hmm. And he said, but my idea of success is that you put on a shepherd's robe and feed my sheep. And he said, and that begins with your own family. Welcome to The Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started, a revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. Almost two years ago, My wife and I got to go to a place at the heart, which is uh, the ministry of Jonathan and Melissa Helser and Cageless Birds, and uh, got to spend time with his parents, actually, uh, Ken and Linda Helser. Uh, As a young man, I had ministered with them in North Carolina, and uh, I had been able to watch his life for, you know, 20, 25 years and seen such incredible fruit in their family. And I reached out to them, and they agreed to have us come up, and they spent the whole day with us. We got to, um, they showed us around, we ate dinner, and we got to sit down and talk about family in this podcast. Um, I'd like to bring this show back and uh, just share how incredible um, his story is, because it's a relevant story for parents that, you know, the Lord is leading you into something. And sometimes he may tell you no or may direct you in a way that you don't understand at the time. But if you live long enough, you see the promises of God being fulfilled through your children. And uh, Ken is a man that has made some incredible decisions that have had incredible fruit in his family. There's so much to learn from him and his wife. And it was an incredible time. And I'd like to air this show again. Enjoy. It's the story about the woman in a red dress. And I don't know why that's a line of, see the woman with the red dress on, she can boogie boogie all night long. Oh, yeah. Ray Charles, everybody blue singer has to talk about a woman in a red dress. You don't have a that's red true. dress, my sweetheart. I right? don't. I, you know, isn't that amazing? <laughs> so what it was is um, when I came to, I don't know how it was that I took a, period of from 13 to 25 years of age where I just took a detour from God yeah, and just went my own way. I think a lot of it is I just could not be good. And I'd go down to the altar. God, I won't look at little girls anymore, but that just never has happened in my whole life till I met you, baby. So anyhow, <laughs> I just gave up on trying to be good, and no one ever told me about the power of the Holy Spirit to be good. So my life became music. And I was, I was pretty good at what I did and really was going to make a career of, of being a singer in a rock and roll band until 
everything came to an incredible screeching halt at the most successful time of my life. I met Dick Clark, going to go to all kinds of things, getting ready to do a tour with the Allman Brothers, moving from Mercury Records, which we just did this huge album up in New York City, to Capricorn Records in Macon, Georgia, which was Leonard Skinner and the Allman Brothers. And we would have been a household name. We'd have been big. And I worked for that. But the Bible says, here in your soul shall live. And I was reading the Bible, smoking dope, traveling around, playing music, having a party, and reading the Bible. And everybody told me, if you keep reading that book, you'll go crazy. And I went crazy and just absolutely found myself wanting to give him everything in my life. And I resigned <laughs> my career and everything that day to follow Jesus. But my wife thought, uh-huh, what's going to happen? God will give music back. And so what Ken didn't make it in the world, God will help him to make it in Christian music. Because I was writing songs way ahead of their time. Yeah. Because in 1970, if he played music to the church, if he played music had a beat, that was of the devil because it excited the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I like they never got over that. Because <laughs> my, my Aunt Coralie, who was the black mama that raised me in the country in Wayne County, you know, I had rhythm ever since I was a little boy. Yeah, and she taught me how to sing, too. Long and short is... I, I, got, a, I got a grandma, Cora. I did. I did. I did have... <laughs> an opportunity to record with an incredible producer who also had just become Christian. And things were happening. There was a, the Jesus movement brought a whole bunch of young kids who wanted to hear something other than what was in the Baptist hymnal. Yeah. And there wasn't any music. So we were writing it and it was new and it was fresh and people didn't know where to put it exactly. And I had an opportunity to sign a record contract with Word Records. Okay. And also with Atlantic Records on Love Can Go Down, which Atlantic was the big R&B. And so my music was being heard and people, it was exciting and I had, there was a profit. And in 1975 or 6, 76, there just wasn't, people didn't even believe in profits back then. Yeah. But this man was a prophet from Thompsonville, North Carolina, named Kermit who I barely knew, knew of him. I'm not sure I'd ever met him. And he called me and said, meet me at a Firestone store. I've got a word for you. And the word was this. He saw me in the middle of a, a very busy middle of the street where there was a stage set up and there was a music in the square and there was thousands of people and there was a band performing. And the woman who was singing was a woman in a red dress who was absolutely stunningly gorgeous. And she captivated me with her eyes and she caught my eye and let me know right off we would have an affair. And so somehow I followed her to her place, but it was down a long set of stairs and each step I was walking over syringes and wine bottles and ugly. But I was following her, captivated by her beauty. And we went into her apartment. The door slammed with a terrible slam. We began to undress for the affair. And when I turned back around, she became a hideous monster. And I screamed and could not get out. And she just raked her fingers down my back. Now, he went into detail, gory, graphic detail. Holy cow that was frightening. 
Then he said, all of a sudden it ended. And I saw you, me, Ken Helser, in a shepherd's robe, walking in a valley with little lambs, and I had one in my arm. He said, then that ended. The third part was, I saw you and your family playing on a picnic blanket with a great big picnic basket, and it was open, and little discs were flying out and going all over the world. And he said, and the Lord told me to tell you he alone would give you the interpretation of the prophecy. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Wow. Can't you do better than that? You gonna let So I I went out and we lived where we are now is our home. We had a home across the road and this was just land before the ministry was built here. And I went walking down to the creek. It's about three or four in the afternoon, and I sat down there and I waited and waited and waited till it was starting to get dark and I said, Lord, I don't know anything. I don't hear anything. And suddenly the Lord spoke. He said, the woman in the red dress is named Success, and she's a harlot. Hmm. And he said, but my idea of success is that you put on a shepherd's robe and feed my sheep. And he said, and that begins with your own family. If you ever try to take care of the family in the church or whatever, be f overlooking your own family, it'll be a disgrace. It begins with your own family. And what you learn out of family will be what you'll use to be the bread to feed my sheep. Now, the reason Jonathan told that story is the picture that Kermit had was just Linda and I and our two children. Did you have children at the time that this we happened? Had, we so had two. You had two at the time. In 1976, we had uh, a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. Mm -hmm. The same man, Kermit, came back maybe a month or so later and said, I had another vision, but this one, Jesus appeared to me on a baseball field. He'd go across the road. There was a playground there, and he'd get on a swing at nighttime and do intercession. And he said, I was on the swing, and I looked out, and there's Jesus standing right in front of me. I, I didn't know what to say. I don't think any of us would. He said, but he said, I want you to tell my servant, Ken Helser, that I've healed his seed, and he's going to have a son named Jonathan David who will write songs, sing like an angel, play the harp, and his music will go off all over the world. Mm. So long and short to really bypass two years. Linda was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And we were two weeks from a hysterectomy when Kermit had this vision of the, of the Lord appeared to him. And I thought this is overwhelming. We told our gynecologist, the gynecologist said, well, we only, we can do one more test. We'll do a DNC, we'll scrape the wound. We've already done five exams, but he was a believer and he said, we'll do one more, but we'll have the, Test on Friday, the hysterectomy on Monday, unless something dramatically changes, and the dramatic change was. Yeah. You were 200% okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, he whistled down the hall. Now, yeah. did you feel that when, when, when he got that from, that the word from the Lord, did you feel, I mean, what did you feel? 
Like, uh, sort of like Sarah laughed. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, I'm going to have hysterectomy and then I'm going to have a baby, you know. That would be a big miracle. Yeah, that would be a big miracle. But the Sunday before I went in on Friday for the, yeah. um, for the last test, yeah. Ken prayed for me at church. Now, our church was in the top of a barn because we were, that was the Jesus generation, you know, and that's where our church was up in a barn. and. There were only two older awesome. people in the our fellowship, and because um, we were all like in our teens and twenties, thirties yeah. at that time, and uh, he came to me after Kim prayed for me and said, "London, when when Kim was praying, he said I saw you touching the hem of Jesus's garment. Oh, he said I believe wow. you're healed." And sure enough, I go in on Friday. Had the test done, and Dr. Bennett, who was my doctor, he said the pathology department has just been going crazy. They have contacted my office four or five times a day saying this could not be the same person because nothing matches at all. And even when I went in after, because of having the DNC, they did stitches. And when I went back in for my exam, Dr. Bennett said, Linda, you won't even believe this. I can't even tell I ever did a DNC on you. Wow. <laughs> you know, so I was completely, completely healed. So to catch it up to the first vision. Sure, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? It is. We did have a Jonathan David in 78. In fact, tomorrow will be his birthday. Yes. September wow. the 6th, cool. 1978. And he shared no interest in music. He just give him a ball, any kind of ball, golf ball, baseball, basketball, soccer ball, football. How's that going? He just was totally sports and was quite good. For a white boy, he could play basketball. He was <laughs> he could actually jump. And but his senior year of high school, he was the first one cut from the team, and we were thinking he has the opportunities to play at least junior college, because right. he was such a good player. Yeah. But the coach didn't like the length of his hair. Oh, and boy. he was cut from the team. But it was God. It was God. It was God. Yeah. Why well, was it God? Well, I have seen in life, like we were talking about Ken, I, you know, I felt like once he became a Christian, he gave up everything he dreamed of, the Lord was right. going to give it back to him. Yeah. He was going to be a famous Christian singer. Right. And, and like with, uh, with Johnson, uh, basketball, he loved it. And at the time when it happened, I was so upset. I even went to the coach crying. I yeah. could not understand why he did this. But if that had not have happened, Jonathan may not have found Ken's old guitar and come to his dad and said, hey, dad, can you teach me how to play guitar? Because he would have been at basketball practice mm -hmm. and yeah. played basketball. He, the music would have been the last thing he would have thought of. And the timing was perfect. It was his senior year, which meant he's graduating from high school. Probably, if this not had not happened, he may have just gone on to college. Yeah. But instead, he did youth with a mission. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we think it's um, something that's messing up our world, actually God's fixing our world, you yeah. know. Because uh, I look back on if Ken had uh, been successful as a Christian musician, mm -hmm. we probably wouldn't have made it. He wasn't, he wasn't ready for something like that. It was years before he would have been ready for that. 
and even Jonathan, knowing his dad's history and about the, the lady with the red dress on, mm -hmm. he waited seven years before he would record. He wanted to make sure his heart was right. He was doing it for the right reasons. That it wasn't to be a singer, you know, non-singer, writing yeah. music, but it was for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And he waited until he knew his heart was right, which came from the his vision father. about his dad yeah. With the lady with the red dress on. Wow. The, do you were you disappointed when the Lord when that when the the lady with the red dress? Because did you have to do anything? Did you have to back out of things and say, "Hey, I've got to. I'm not going to go." Well, first thing I backed out of was, um, we did not sign. I'm not sure it ever would have been, but it was working that way, and I just yeah. said no. And secondly, I had an opportunity to go to Nashville to move out there and become a songwriter. Because my producer said, man, these songs are incredible. You just need to move out here and you can make a living writing songs. Right. And we said, no, we're going to stay in Sophia, North Carolina. And thank mm -hmm. God we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. But, and, and even that's, um, I mean, Dis that is a Disappointment is a, is a good word, though, because um, I wrote a song one time, Broken Dreams Might Be God's Blessing. Yeah. Yeah. But, I'm glad that well, dream was broken because he had a far greater dream. And I, I think that's the thing that I that I honed in on when I first heard the stories. Like, you know, men they want to be successful. They want to kind of make it or do whatever realm that is. And the Lord's like, no, I want to give you real success, real success. Mm -hmm. You know, that I as I define it, that you know, in with following me and in in, in family and relationships, and we're at least for me, I'm out looking for it somewhere else, you know, in the accolades of men, and it's like it's not there. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find it there. So I'm gonna turn it around. I'm gonna interview you. What's oh no? <laughs> so so what's real success? Oh wow. Um, I I think that. What I'm learning, and I'm still in process, real success is, is, is enjoying the Lord and then following Him wherever that takes you. And if I feel like the Lord looks down on me and says, I'm pleased, that to me feels like success. Um, I had a dream one night that um, sometimes your dreams where you just ate too much pizza before you went to bed. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but this, there's some significant dreams in my life, and this one was incredibly significant. And in the dream, I saw a carpenter's toolbox made out of wood, and it glowed. And I realized it was the carpenter's box. And I knew he was asking me to look inside the box to determine which tool was the most necessary. And it was an old hammer. It was a beautiful old bracing bit to drill holes. And there was a screwdriver. There was a saw. But one tool in that box glowed more than all the rest, and it was a measuring tape. And I said, Lord, why is this the most important tool in your toolbox? He said, because my measure of success is how much love is produced. And anything to measure its success is how much love was produced in what you just did. So that, to me, going back to the ending, really, of where we began with the woman with the red dress is that 
the, out of the picnic basket, little discs flew out all over the world. Yeah. We didn't know what little discs were because mm. we had phonograph records. Right. Soon after that, there was something called compact disc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan's compact disc, not mine, it wasn't going to come through me, yeah. have gone all over the world and his song, No Longer Slaves. Mm-hmm. Last year in South Africa, someone sent us a video, whatever, Instagram. Over a million people were singing that song. Mm-hmm. And that was the vision. Your music will go out all over. It just wasn't going to be through me. It was going to be through my my son. And one of the most beautiful things to me is that everything I've done in my life, I've been a visionary. We built the farm. We bought this land in 1976. Yeah. So that was a vision. And we, we made dreams realities. Our daughter's place, the table, our oldest daughter. It's amazingly successful. She li- she lived with a dream for nine years. To open up a restaurant. To to build this eatery, mm. bakery. Just it's it's beyond words on this particular point. Uh, my other daughter Jody is a writer, and I've always been a writer. And she's she's writing magnificent. Jonathan is a musician. His music has gone way past mine. And our youngest daughter Sarah. I've, I've always been an artist, and a lot of what we have with the ministry came through my limited edition prints and the things I've done, but her work goes way past mine. But we prayed that our children would go past us. Mm. And one of the tragedies in the whole Christian realm of things, the church if we call it that, is there's something in the older generation that they feel like, well, I worked hard for this, and I, you know, and along comes these kids and they're going to go past us? Uh Uh-uh. A friend of mine had a vision of of the older generation getting down on their face so the children could leapfrog past them. Mm. And to be a generation in our age in the 70s that we want the next generation to go further than ours. We've had a great marriage, 51 years, but we want our children and our children's children to have greater marriages than our own. That's... That's living for something that goes past your grave. And one time Rick Joyner told me this. He says, you know, if your vision doesn't live past your grave, you better ask for a bigger vision. Amen. So that's that's the generational blessing, is that whatever you and I do is going to go way past whatever we did by the generation coming along. And I think the Lord, in the process, he'll kind of guide you along with that. He's got that in mind. Right, and we might not have that in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Until later in years, right? You're like mm-hmm. starting to look back, saying, "Okay, Lord, I want it to go beyond just just me, mm-hmm. or whatever my calling or our calling, or it's what about what you want to do with with our kids? What are you want to do with our grandkids? Mm-hmm. You know, because because the, the thing that's interesting. Well, there's so much there's so much here, but one thing that's interesting is that the Lord, um, you guys were creators. And now you've got children that are creators. You know, that's got to bring you some joy. And Do you know where that comes from? Yeah, you tell me. <laughs> I, 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 know what, I know what it is. Some people can look at what other people have done and say, well, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. But a creative person can see what's done and say, I can do that, but I'll do it differently. Mm-hmm. So we're really copying 
the creator himself mm. and and have the but also an artist okay so a creative person is an artist <laughs> an artist is a person who's so super sensitive that when he was in the third grade, he cried at the Bambi movie. <laughs> and I thought, what is wrong with me? Well, the Lord revealed to me, I have been given a great gift of feeling emotion and being sensitive. But an artist is not content just to feel his own emotion. He wants to convey it to other people. Mm. And he feels like I'll burst if I can't communicate what I'm feeling. I want to. I want the world to see it this way. I want the world to hear it this way. I want the world to envision life this way in drama or whatever. That's creativity. You know, God wants to express His love to us deeply, 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 and 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 some people just don't want to go there necessarily with the Lord. You just hit the most difficult thing to do in all of life. You didn't know you did it, but you did it. <laughs> the most difficult thing to do in all of life is to let God love you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why is it so difficult? Because we've never known a love like that. We always work for it. We entertain for it. I entertained. I was a performer so people would like me. That's yeah. what I did. That's yeah. what an entertainer is. I want you to like me so bad. I'm so, in, I'm so scared of you that I'm going to entertain you to make you love me. Yeah. But God's love is not, you know, you cannot work for the love of God. And you, to let God love you is the most difficult thing I think there is to do. The only other thing that comes close to it is be still and know that I'm God. <laughs> because I... The still part. Just, you just... <laughs> You know, getting still and being in God with God is the most difficult battle. I think the thing that I, if I could, if there's anything I could pass on to any of my kids, it would be that I would want them to know the love of God that I've come to know. You know, that just the and and my prayer for them has always been that they would hold Jesus's hand, like I've held Jesus's hand. Because I know that if, if I can make that transfer, they're going to be in good hands. Mm -hmm. They will be good. God will lead them, direct them, show them, just like he's led me, led us, showed us. I know he would. I wish there was a formula to make that happen. There is no formula. <laughs> that. That's the truth. <laughs> we, feel, don't we feel blessed that our children love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want more information on The Kindling Fire, go to our website, thekindlingfire.com. There you can learn how you can join the Fire Starters. That is a community that I'm sending free e-courses, Bible devotionals. We're doing special challenges to really help you guys move towards the dreams that God has placed in you. I'm also on Instagram at The Kindling Fire. And as always, be awesome.